All right. Well, good morning. Uh, I have some props for, for us this morning, so an object lesson. Remember when you were a little kid and you'd go to class and your teacher would do an object lesson? Well, I kind of have one of those this morning, and I'm going to steal a music stand or two to help with this. So you can kind of get a picture. Um, let's I'll lean it up against here. It's not an iMac. I was looking around my office this week as I was preparing my, my sermon, and I noticed uh, a couple things on my wall and on my bookshelf, and they kind of caught my attention. They were things that I had put up there specifically to uh, remember things, things that were special to me from, from the past, things that uh, uh, maybe marked accomplishments that I've achieved, my, my uh, degrees that I have uh, above my desk, and uh, a picture of my wife from our engagement photo pictures, uh, a few things like that. And I brought a couple of these to share this morning. Um, for example, I have, uh, here's one. This uh, is a medal. Um, I didn't really deserve this medal. This was more one of those accomplishment, like you finished and you got a medal, not actually that you won anything. Uh, but for me, it was pretty special because uh, this symbolized uh, a 5K race. And so I ran, I know, I, I ran most of a 5K and I got a medal. But for me, that was pretty special because uh, it took, uh, actually, it took months of me uh, starting at a walk to the point where I could run uh, almost almost three and a half miles. That was pretty impressive for me. So, so I saw that this week, and it just kind of reminded me. I don't know if it'll stay up here. I'll just kind of hang it there. Uh, just a reminder of, of that accomplishment. And actually, since then, uh, I ran another one and improved my time and, and have another one planned for this summer that uh, a cousin of mine has a charity organization and that they do every year. And so uh, it's a goal for my wife and I to run that every year. So this kind of reminds me, Get off your rear end and get out there and keep it up because there's another one coming, right? Uh, let's see what else I have here. Now, here's one. Uh, for the, my uh, early, late teens and early 20s, I was a music buyer for a Christian bookstore. And uh, one year, uh, there was a, a relatively new group called Jars of Clay, and they came out uh, with their first album, and it, it was really popular. And their second one, uh, we sold hundreds of the albums. We were a pretty small uh, bookstore in Idaho. And so as commemorate that, they gave us a um, gold record. And so as the music buyer, my boss let me keep this. The store's no longer in existence, so I got to keep this as kind of a, a memory of my time uh, at that job, which was I loved that job. I loved Christian music. And, and so I keep that, and I have that uh, on my, on my uh, bookshelves as a reminder of that time uh, that I spent over there in Nampa, Idaho, working in a little Christian bookstore. It was a great time of my life. Let's see. I also have, I'm sure this one's going to be of no surprise. I have a uh, football helmet. And you see, this was not my football helmet. Um, Don, it could have been your football helmet. <laughs> actually, it wouldn't surprise me if Don actually played with this football helmet at some point, because this one belonged to my father, um, and this was uh, uh, his football helmet when he was a little kid. It's just a youth football helmet. But he played with this when he was a kid. And then when I was a kid, uh, I played with it. And it's lasted over the years. Um, it's from about 1956. Um, and it, rem- it reminds me of my childhood and also my, my dad. So I keep this in my office as kind of that reminder. 
I'm going to put it here on Doug's. No, I won't do that, Doug. I'll put it right here. Uh, Let's see. I got a couple more. Let's see. Which one should I pick? I won't do them all. Well, here, I'll do this one. Can anyone guess what this one right here is? It's a horse. You're right. It's a horse. What is it? What specifically? A Mustang emblem. This comes from a 1971 Fastback Mustang. It was my dad's Mustang. And uh, ever since I was a little kid, Mustangs have been kind of an obsession of mine, a hobby now. And uh, I keep this uh, in my office as well, just a reminder of a hobby that I have. I love Mustangs. So I keep that around me. I'm gonna, let's see, I don't want to put it on a communion table. That kind of defeats the purpose, and I'd get angry letters from it. I'll put it back. Here, I'm going to do two more. I've got to do this one because this one is really special to me. This is a young man named Michael. A young man named Michael. He's autistic. And Michael, I should have brought the other picture that goes with it, is an amazing artist. And he draws pictures of airplanes, uh, specifically American Airlines uh, airplanes. He, he's got a, kind of a fascination with American Airlines, and he loves to fly, and he loves airplanes. And I worked with him for a couple years in a special needs class. And uh, before I left, he got, uh, we got his picture, and he gave it to me, along with a um, picture that he had made on his computer of an uh, uh, airplane. That was pretty fascinating. I'm going to keep that one here, because that one is... Pretty special to me. <clears throat> and this last one, just because I'd get in trouble, I'm sure, if I didn't share, is a picture of my wife and I. And this was taken from our engagement photos. And so I keep this one uh, right by my desk. It's like on, to, on my desk, even though it's a bigger picture, because I love the picture. It's her, her and I walking. You might not be able to see it very well. Uh, it's on a rainy day that we actually had our pictures taken. And there's an umbrella, and we just, both of us really loved this picture. And so it reminds me of my relationship with my wife. And so I have these reminders. And again, some of them remind me of accomplishments that I've done, like the, the medal, things I've achieved, my, my degrees on, on the wall. Um, some of them remind me of hobbies or things that I'm into, like my Mustang emblem or uh, a football helmet, or something that reminds me of the past memories that are special to me, uh, or, or like this gold record. Uh, I looked around my office at about 17 different things that helped remind me of the past. And uh, those are special things for me. Each of them has meaning. And my wife gets a little uh, frustrated with me at times because I'm sentimental. I'm a sentimental guy. And I, I don't like throwing things away because there's attachment uh, to them. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture, the same one we've been looking at for the past several weeks, that includes something in it that was special to the early church because of what it reminded them of. And so we're going to read, we're going to read that Acts chapter 2 passage once again. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another, uh, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. 
Today we're going to focus in on this little piece of uh, uh, scripture from uh, verse uh, 42 that says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, I'm very grateful this morning for the uh, communion meditation that Lee shared, because as I prepared this message and uh, dealing with a topic, the Lord's Supper, uh, it could be stretched out into a series in and of itself. There's a lot of elements to the Lord's Supper. And so I appreciated what Lee was able to share with us because uh, it's a portion of this message that I wasn't going to, to be able to have time in 25 minutes to share with you. That the, the price that was paid uh, in the Jesus and the death on the cross and that correlation. So thank you, Lee. I, I believe that uh, there's a plan sometimes behind all of this. And God has greater things in store for us here on Sunday morning than what we even plan individually. And I felt that at work this morning as he shared uh, his communion meditation. Uh, so we're going to look at communion. What does it mean to, to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper? As we read this verse, it says they were committed to the breaking of bread. And that is the practice of what we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, it has several different names. Sometimes we call it communion. Uh, we don't often call it breaking of bread here. We might use that in reference to what we often call it Lord's Supper. Uh, some churches, uh, specifically uh, some of the more liturgical churches and ca- Catholic churches call it the Eucharist. Okay? And so uh, it has a variety of names, but it all comes from this basic uh, practice right here in Acts chapter 2 when the early church broke bread together. They practiced communion, the early church, as a meal. The participants would bring their food together as they gathered. It says they would gather in their homes and break bread together. They would gather together as the church and they would all bring food. They would uh, eat a meal together. And during that meal, they would take the time to remember Jesus and his sacrifice. The meal also functioned as a charity meal where those who were less fortunate could come and get a meal together and be fed and filled, and people would just share their food with them. And so it was an act of helping those less fortunate as well. This created a koinonia effect. You remember that word from a few weeks ago when we talked about fellowship? Koinonia means fellowship, communion together, community together. Well, this meal, this uh, love feast that they would actually call it, uh, acted as a bonding together of the church as they shared food together. It was a community amongst the believers, the haves and the have-nots all together around the same table as equals together in Jesus' love. In 1 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul addresses some of the issues that had started to spring up. You see, this, this went well for quite a while, but then humans, being humans, started to have issues. And what would take place is as they would meet together, some of the people would, would, would not share their food and they would, they would kind of hoard food and they would exclude others and say, hey, you don't have any money, you don't, you don't have any food, you, then you're not going to eat. You're not going to share together. They would abuse their, their position at the table and they would keep people from participating of it because of their, their lack of ability to provide food themselves. And so issues arose. Instead of being a place where community was developed, it started to build barriers between people. And so that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul explains the purpose of communion, the purpose of breaking bread of the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to read that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 and 21, it says this. It says, So then... 
When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Okay? And they were really practicing this to excess. So what was the purpose? It wasn't just to fill each other's... It wasn't just to fill our stomach. It wasn't just to meet a physical need of hunger. It had a greater purpose. And in verse 23, verses 11, sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, he goes into a little bit more detail about what's taking place at this supper. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he starts off by addressing the issue and saying, you've turned something that's supposed to be very special, something that's supposed to build koinonia, to build fellowship, to build togetherness, and you've created division. And why is it important that we don't have division within this act, within this, uh, this uh, practice of the Lord's Supper? It's because Jesus himself passed this on for a purpose. It was instituted, this act and this meal was instituted at the Last Supper. If you might remember, the Last Supper took place in that upper room. And we spent several weeks, actually a couple of months, looking at uh, the John, Apostle John's recollection of the last, uh, actually the, the upper room, the last evening that the disciples had with Jesus. But one of the things he didn't go into great detail about was the Last Supper. But thankfully, Mark recorded what took place that evening. After he had washed the disciples' feet, they had reclined at the table together, and they were participating in the Passover meal. That's what was happening that night. It was the night of the Passover, an event that happened one time every year to help the Israelites, the Jews, remember how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And so they're, they're sitting around the table, and they're eating of the Passover meal. And every element of the Passover meal had a symbolism reflecting back on the Jews being delivered, the Israelites being delivered from Egypt. And he gets to a, a cup called the cup of blessing. And this is where Matthew picks up in Matthew 26. During that last night Jesus had with his disciples. In verse 26 of Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. <coughs> then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it, drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus himself had started this practice. And he says he, he broke the bread. It is common, uh, much like today, but in their culture, every meal had bread. And so he took a loaf of bread and he, he broke it and it symbolized his body, right? The breaking of his body. And he took a cup and actually in the, we'll talk about this in just a minute, I believe, but um, he took the cup of thanksgiving. Okay, a cup of thanksgiving is what it was called during the Passover meal where they would remember and be thankful for the deliverance that they, that they experienced. And he, he drank from it and he gave it to them to drink 
from to remember the, the, the shedding of his blood. You know, these days, as we practice uh, the Lord's Supper, it happens in a variety of ways at different churches. Uh, how it's taken, when it's taken, uh, how often it's taken are all different from church to church. Some churches only have communion uh, once a month, uh, and some only once a quarter, and some never actually practice together communion. Here at Southside, we practice it each week. Uh, some churches pass the emblems, and then they take it together. Uh, others uh, have one piece of bread that they all share, or one cup that they all share. Here, we pass the bread and eat the bread and pass the cup and eat the drink the juice. Some churches believe that an almost mystical event happens as you pray over the emblems and that they actually become, they don't just represent, but become the body and the blood of Christ. It's called, trans, um, nope, the word just went from my brain. Do you remember, Dick? Transubstantiation, thank you. <laughs> Boy, that just went poof right out of my brain. Transubstantiation, where it actually becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. We believe that the bread and the juice still just represent Jesus' body and blood. What it's called is different. Some believe that it's a sacrament, something that's sacred and holy, and, a, and, and something you have to do to continue receiving God's grace. Some believe that it's an ordinance, uh, and we believe that we do it because it's special, because God commanded us to do it. So what is communion? What is the Lord's Supper here at Southside? So let's take a look. I've got a few things for you. And again, I kind of feel like I'm giving you a shotgun blast of information this morning. But I believe that all of these are very important elements of why we partake of the Lord's Supper on a regular basis and why we are as committed to the Lord's Supper as the early church. And actually, uh, the early church practiced it every time they met together. And we just do it once a week. So I guess you should say we're not quite as committed as they were to it. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with uh, doing it once a week. And uh, in the early church, actually, by the time 1 Corinthians came about, they were practicing it once a week on Sundays. But that's beside the point. That's a bunny trail I won't get into this morning. So what is communion? What is the Lord's Supper? What is breaking of bread for us here at Southside? What are we committed to? The first thing is that the Lord's Supper is a command of Jesus. And we need to understand this, that it's a command uh, from Jesus himself. We need to understand this because we believe that as we practice the Lord's Supper, we are practicing obedience to him. The Great Commission teaches us that very thing. And we looked at it over the last uh, month about what it means. And, and we, it says to teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Well, we believe that this is a command to be obeyed by Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read this, 24 and 25, but I'm going to read it again. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this. I'm just going to stop that verse right there just so we can see the emphasis on his command. This is my body, which is for you. Do this. Okay, that's a command. In the, in the same way, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Okay, so why do we practice the Lord's Supper here at Southside? Why are we committed to it? Why are we devoted to practicing it? Because Jesus himself tells us to. And that's enough for me. I don't know about you, but that's pretty much enough for me. Okay, but we have more reasons for why we do it here this morning. First one is it's a command from Jesus. 
The second thing, it is a remembrance of Jesus. Okay, it is a remembrance of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25, which we just read a portion of, this is what it says. <coughs> Let's add the rest of it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way with the cup. After supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. See, God knows human nature. He knows how we're hardwired. And he knows that we need remembrances built into what we do or else we get distracted with what's going on around us. And I see the Lord's Supper personally as a time each week when I can refocus on what's really, really important. And that's the sacrifice that Jesus made for me by break having his body, allowing his body to be broken and allowing his blood to be shed. See, this remembrance is vital to us remembering what the main thing is. And as the saying goes, we want to keep the main thing the main thing. The sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. You know, the Passover was designed as a memorial to, for the, the, the Israelites to remember again what God had done in delivering them. They had been delivered from slavery. And so when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, he's helping us practice that same thing. But this time it's slavery from our sin, not from a country. So our remembrance of him is a remembrance of delivery from sin. Here's the next thing. Why do we practice the communion, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread each week here? It's a command from Jesus. It's a remembrance of Jesus. And it's a thanksgiving for Jesus. Okay, it's a thanksgiving for Jesus. You know, the... the term that the Catholic Church uses is Eucharist. And, and that word actually means, it comes from the Greek word Eucharistia, which means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The, the, the whole, uh, what we're doing here is giving thanks. Uh, it says, uh, remember what I said earlier about the Passover, the meal? It was during the cup of thanksgiving, where the Israelites would thank God for his deliverance, not just remember. Now they've remembered. Now they're thanking him for it. Uh, the same way Jesus is using that cup of thanksgiving uh, to to remember and to be thankful for what what God had done for us. So the very name itself comes from uh, the, from from uh, thanksgiving. So the purpose of communion is uh, because we're giving thanks for what God has done for us. The next one. Uh, it's a command from Jesus, it's a remembrance of Jesus, it's a thanksgiving for Jesus, and it's a proclamation about Jesus. It's a proclamation about Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, it says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Okay, we proclaim him, we tell others about it. Uh, it's a teachable moment each week. Why do we do this? Well, let me tell you about that. I remember, I might have shared this before, but when I was a little kid, I can remember sitting in the services as those trays were being passed and always wanting, desiring to take part in it, to eat that little piece of bread, that little cracker, and to drink the little bit of juice. And even though it wasn't very much, I wanted to do that because I wanted probably more from... Uh, I wanted the juice, right? <laughs> it wasn't necessarily because I had spiritual uh, desire in my heart, 
But as I grew older and I would question my parents and my grandparents about it, they used it as an opportunity to teach me about the significance. No, you cannot partake of those emblems because they're special and they mean something. And until you understand what they mean, you cannot partake of it. I remember having that conversation with my dad. And it wasn't until I was convicted of my sin and I accepted Jesus as my Savior and was baptized into him that my parents allowed me to partake of the Lord's Supper. And I can remember the tears in my eyes as I partook of the, the Lord's Supper the first time because I finally understood what it meant. It was a teaching tool. It was a proclamation of Jesus, of his life and his death and his resurrection. And when we partake of it now, it's like a little mini sermon each week that each of us preach to those around us as we eat that bread and drink that little bit of juice. The last thing here, it's a command from Jesus. It's a remembrance of Jesus. It's a thanksgiving for Jesus. It's a proclamation about Jesus. It's also fellowship with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 and 17, this is what it says about this in particular. Is not the cup of thanksgiving which we bless a koinonia in the blood of Christ? I purposely changed the word there to the Greek word so you could see what Paul is saying. What does koinonia mean? Fellowship. A sharing together. Okay? A like-minded purpose. So is not the cup of thanksgiving which we bless a koinonia in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a koinonia in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. See, this, this act, it's a partaking together. It's a fellowship together. And while there's an individual element to it, as we individually remember Christ's death and Christ's body being broken and his blood being shed, the act of doing it together is a fellowship. It's something that brings us together. And if you remember how that early church practiced it, the whole purpose was to bring people together around the table. And there's nothing more special. There's no, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go out to eat with a friend around a meal, there's something special, a comfort level that develops between us as we share our lives together. Food is great, right? But food shared with a friend is even better. And this meal individually is great. And it's very special for me. But when I share it together with my family, with my friends, it's so much more important because there's something special that transpires as God's body shares together. Here's the last thing this morning that I'd like to to share with you concerning uh, the Lord's Supper. It comes from the last few verses there in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, starting in 27 through 29. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this portion up. It says this, it says, So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So then, my brothers, picking up in 33, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. 
Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. The Apostle Paul is saying that when we come together and we, we gather around this table, that we have an obligation to examine ourselves and to look at our motives of our hearts before we partake. See, in that early church, the, the people would gather around, the believers would gather around, and their, their desire was to, to fill their own stomachs. And it was, I don't want to share my food because uh, this is for me. Well, we need to examine ourselves and make sure that while we're not eating a steak here around this table, when we're not filling our stomachs, we can still hold some of those same attitudes towards the people around us. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 19, it tells us that we need to understand the price. And as we examine ourselves, we need to look at, <coughs> excuse me, at the sacrifice that Jesus made and understand the depths that he went to for us. To understand the price that was paid and examine our life and our worthiness in light of that sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. With the precious blood of Christ, you were redeemed. And like Lee said during his communion meditation, it's not a wondrous cross. But it's a wondrous cross, right? It's an amazing testimony to the transformational powers of Jesus Christ. That something that represented evil and death now represents something amazing and life. And as we examine ourselves, we need to understand that price. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, it says we need to understand that we need to deal with our own personal sin as well. In verse 6 of 1 John 1, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and with the blood of Jesus, his son, and it purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, praise the Lord for verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just, and he will forgive our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. What better time than as we try to understand and think through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, than for us to consider our own sin and examine that sin and ask for forgiveness for that sin. Hopefully we're doing that throughout the week. But again, we need reminders, and we forget but we have something built into our service, just like my picture of my wife reminds me of my love for her. And my little medal on the floor reminds me of that accomplishment of running a race. God, Jesus himself, gave us the ultimate reminder right here in these little emblems. And that's why we need to be committed to it each and every week. And again, that's why it's important that we come together as a body. That's why it's important that we make Sunday mornings a priority in our schedule to be here. 
Because this is an opportunity. It's a chance for us to remember the sacrifice that was made for us. Let's pray. God, I love you so much, and we love you. And we're so grateful, Father, for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We're so grateful for your body that was broken and how horrible that was that you had to go through that for us, but we're so grateful you did. And God, it's, it's just crazy that you allowed your son's blood to be shed. But we know, Father, that it's only through that blood. It's only through the washing that comes with that blood that we can stand before you as one of your children, clean and holy, not because of what we've done, not because of the life that we've lived, but because of the purity and the amazing life of your Son and his ultimate sacrifice for us. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I have a couple challenges for you. The first is this, to memorize 1 Corinthians 3.9. It's not a difficult one, but it's an important one. Let's go ahead and say it together. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 1 Corinthians 3.9. God didn't, didn't send his son to the cross for this building. Right? He sent his son to the cross to redeem his people. That's why this verse is important. Because we are the ones that he died for. And these rafters and these pews, these are tools to be used by his church. Next one, last one. I'd like you to meditate this week upon 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 28. And I encourage you to examine yourself in light of the sacrifice that Jesus made by allowing his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled on your behalf. Maybe this week you take the time each time you eat, just like that early church, to break the bread, to drink the cup, and remember him. I'd invite you to stand. We're going to have our offering here in just a moment, and I'd like to say a prayer together uh, for that offering, if you would. Please, please rise. If also during this time, if, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear about it. Please put it on your, your uh, communication cards. Drop that in. Uh, the offering bags are passed. Or if uh, you'd like to talk with me, I'd invite you to come down. I'd love to pray with you over whatever you need. Or if you'd like to fully experience what it means to be a follower of Jesus, now's a great opportunity as we respond in this time of offering. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you again for this morning. And Father, as we enter into this last song, this time of response to you, I want to ask for your blessing upon our giving. And Father, this morning, as, uh, as we, we give just a little bit of what you've, re- you've given to us, I just pray, Father, that you will stretch it, you will use it in mighty ways in this community, that you will bless every penny, that you will bless every heart that's turned to you, that you will bless every talent that's given to you every gift that's used on your behalf. On your... Father, we love you. We just um, we give you this time. We give you this day. Father, as you've blessed us through the sacrifice of your Son, may we be a blessing to you, and we may, may we be a blessing to this community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.